hosting the Two Blokes Talking Tech, proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. For the latest news and information about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from your tech. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. This is, as we say, on the box, on the little logo, everywhere you can see it. Two Blokes Talking Tech. My name's Trevor Long from EFTM.com.au. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor Long and you'll find this man at techguide.com.au and uh, Stephen Fennick on Twitter with a PH. Stephen, hello and good evening. Hello, Trevor, and good evening to you as well. So lots to talk about this week. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's actually been a bit of a, I'm going to say, lull for technology news, apart from a couple of big spikes here and there. But uh, we always like to find all the intricate little things here and there, and we do it all thanks to the good people from Netgear and netgear.com.au. So let's get cracking. Two blokes talking tech. Now, I'm pretty sure that as we sat on the 10th of April, if I, if I recall correctly, at the McDonald's on George Street, having uh, been fitted and, and looked at the uh, the Apple Watch, we talked about the fact that it most certainly wouldn't be long before third-party things came about. Now, whether they're protective things or screen covers or most likely bands, um, there will be a, a massive third-party aftermarket. And, and Apple kind of needs that because it does give an extra level of creativity, also extra level of retail for them, and, of course, a whole other ecosystem. And um, we, we've kind of had that confirmed now because Apple has kind of uh, released the, the strict guidelines for manufacturers on third-party uh, bands. Uh, it's not a. This is the kind of thing where, no doubt, there's. Um, let's let's not be uh, be you know broad about it. But there's there's Chinese factories probably working out exactly how the Apple Watch bands work, and they're probably manufacturing them already. But if you want the kind of rubber stamp of approval, and if you want to sell those bands in an Apple store, you've got to do it Apple's way. And for Apple to actually say this is the verified program, this is how you get up, um, get through it from a developer perspective and a third party perspective. It's uh, it's official. It'll give them entry into the stores. And mate, I can't wait to see the uh, the swather of uh, of bands coming through over the next few months. Yeah, you're right. I think open the floodgates because we are going to see a lot of them, and and it's not going to be just from our usual suspects that that have made mm. a let's let's face it, created an industry of of creating Apple accessories like you know cases and covers for mm. the iPhone and the iPad and things like that. This is the latest uh, opportunity for them. I, I think you're going to see maybe a, a lot of fashion labels, a lot of style companies maybe contributing to this ecosystem as well. Yeah, you may be surprised what's going to come down that way. Uh, but I think at the moment, Apple's bands, there's only six different styles. Uh, they, they're not the cheapest options for the Apple Watch. So I think that's an opportunity there for other companies to make something a bit more affordable. Uh, and the guidelines they mentioned, though, are quite strict. There are, there are very, very solid rules in place where you, you, you can't cover up parts of the watch. You can't cover the, 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 the base of the watch. It has to have a constant contact with the skin. 
skin. Uh, you can't cover the speakers or the microphone. You aren't allowed to include a charger. Uh, in the band, so you can't. Mm. Uh, companies thinking of uh, uh, clever ways to charge the the watch on the go. Mm. Well, they're going to have to think of another way of doing it because they can't cover the bottom where the charging plate normally goes. Mm. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing not only the new different designs, but also seeing how how much room to move companies are going to have when it comes to creating these third third party watch bands. Well, you think about it, and I've talked about this probably a bit too much. I I acknowledge, but the the metal link band and Apple's mechanism for interchanging the links and removing links is is pure genius. It's innovation at its finest. And if Apple's done that, so let's imagine now what everyone else is thinking. And we look, I think you use an iPad case as an example. Um, you look at Apple's very first iPad one case, that kind of uh, uh, weird black material that it kind of folded back on itself, it lo- locked in and there was a stand. It was amazing. And then you look at it now and you've got Logitech yeah. with these magnetic ones that, that, that do, do amazing things, that you've got keyboards that automatically turn on when they detect the magnetic um, join of of the iPad, there's a bunch of stuff that goes on, and that's exactly what we uh, want to see with the watch. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's such such a young product, but it's obviously going to be another uh, another avenue of revenue for uh, these other co- these other companies. Like, look look at the size of the market uh. for just iPhone covers, uh, iPad cases, iPad accessories. Uh, we've already seen the the watch stands, so the charging solutions for Apple Watch. That was that's uh, only the, fur, the the tip of the iceberg here. Mm. We're going to see so many companies coming through, and, and I think within the next couple of months, I don't think it's going to take a long time for companies to turn this around. You you mentioned, and you were spot on. I reckon all these companies that have been churning away with what they think the specifications are now that Apple have officially uh, and they're quite detailed. What if you look through that site? I've linked it on Tech Guide, the developer site. Such detailed diagrams of the different angle of the 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 thing that the watch band has to go in and it has to make use of the lug so it fits perfectly in place so they've really set very strict guidelines so I'm really looking forward to seeing some quality watch bands from other manufacturers. It won't take long at all and uh, it'll be one of those products that we will certainly um, get our hands on because these are the things that the companies uh, and you know, let's just use examples that we know of like Logitech and the like will um, we'll love to have us looking at and, and profiling because you know the number of people with Apple watches is currently quite low um, and yeah. at this point in time, remember, there's a not huge opportunity for, for companies because if they can mass produce, and let's say there's a $50 band that's quite appealing to people, that's going to sell like hotcakes because currently there are zero bands available in that's a store. Right. Yeah. You have to order there's online through opportunity Apple. There, but yeah, I think you've got to remember that a- Apple also have uh, specified the certain materials that can be used as well. So uh, in terms of uh, I'm all in favour of keeping the price down, but uh, the materials they're talking about are pretty pretty decent quality to maintain the quality of the watch, you see, because Mm. I don't think Apple are going to want a company to produce an El Cheapo band uh, that fits seamlessly into the watch. It's going to kind of cheapen the whole thing. Mm. So even right down to the materials that companies use, they are also specified on, on that developer side as well. So Apple very protective of that whole experience. They they want this thing looking looking like a fashion statement rather than just a, an El Cheapo device. 
just amazing detail when you look at the drawings, isn't it? And uh, it kind of looks weird because it looks like you're getting exposed to, to the inner workings, but it's really just stuff that with a uh, high-end computer program you could uh, Imagine you could if measure. you had those drawings seven months ago. <laughs> and, you know, that's exactly right. These are things that would have existed because they would have, you know, been drawing these things up just for the for the manufacturing process, let Absolutely. alone the design process. Could you imagine if something like that leaked? Oh. So. If anyway, only we had a time machine. If only. But uh, we don't. And uh, when we do, we'll let you know and we'll start podcasting earlier because pff, we, we we could dominate the world with <laughs> we'll podcasting. We'll visit ourselves from the future. Yeah. And we'll say, listen, brush media. We just do this from the start. Um, two, <laughs> two Blokes Talking Tech. Uh, thanks to Nick here. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, I went off to a little briefing yesterday uh, from LG. Now, LG is a company we know, obviously, in the TV space. They're also very, very popular in the smartphone space. Uh, they've also got a smartwatch. But a lot other areas uh, where LG have a fair bit of strength is in is the computing area, but also the area of monitors and mini projectors. Um, the the monitors are actually quite quite impressive. The, the the whole that whole space, you know, the whole area where not only for gamers but also uh, diff- different areas, different industries that require different monitoring needs, like whether you're a stockbroker or a real estate agent or a graphic designer or and a gamer. There are so many different demands on monitors, and I got a chance to look at the range. They've got uh, three main models in the range. They've got a beautiful curved. 34-inch monitor that's got a 21 by 9 aspect ratio, so ultra-wide, yep. literally curves around the user. Uh, and, and it's not like a curved TV where you're sitting you know, six or six or seven, you know, you know four or five metres away from the TV. Mm. This is actually just a, a foot, two feet in front of you, so it's, it's quite an experience. They've also got this, the flat, ultra-wide gaming monitor as well. And, of course... LG have a 4K Ultra HD monitor, 27-inch. I saw I was playing uh, Lara, the latest Lara Croft game on it, and it was that sharp. I think uh, it needed to come with Band-Aids. It was that sharp. It was a beautiful-looking screen. Oh, you are funny. You really are. The um, the thing about the curved monitors, and you know, people know my opinion on curved TVs. I think they're an amazing piece of engineering and technology, but I actually don't see a huge need for them in the home. But when you look at an average office these days, and you know where I work, pretty much 80%, maybe, maybe a little bit less, people have two monitors on their desk. And the two-monitor thing came about just because it, there's an efficiency in being able to have you know, email on one side or a document on one side that you can copy and paste across to. There's just a, a workplace efficiency that occurs. And I think that the curve, the single curve screen, could well not only be a very appealing way to work, but it could be quite useful to to people because it may actually, if they can get the cost down to around the cost of two high quality large screens, you may actually find that it's an easier thing to to install, to buy, and all those kind of things. So, yeah. I, I re- mate, I've actually I've got one coming on my desk at work, a, a thirty four inch curved screen. Um, it helps to be the uh, the manager of the IT help desk for a while and uh, suggest <laughs> that you know I should be the one that trials the future uh, uh, workplace technology. Right. But so that's um, the LG one you got coming. No, it's a different brand, brand HP. Um, but okay. uh, but having a look at it, it just it just appeals to me because we do we run these multiple screens. So very interesting yep. stuff in the curved monitor well, space. That, that curved the curved monitor that one I spoke about the thirty four inch from LG that's priced at sixteen ninety nine, which I think is not too bad when you consider the size of it and and the aspect ratio. It's quite wide. 
wide. Mm. It can also be configured in various. You can have two two by two by two. You can have two rows of three. They can be attached to different ways and angled different ways. So uh, really comes up uh, with a lot of solutions there. But the other part of the briefing was all about mini projectors. Now you you think of how convenient these products are. The, these the, they start off with uh, a, a, a projector that's small enough to fit in a in a bag. It, it's it's not much bigger than a smartphone. Uh, that's the PH300. And what I liked about it was it had a built-in rechargeable battery, so it didn't even need to plug it into power. And th- this is for on the on the go people presenting, doing various things, sales people where they don't need to rely on the the, the office or the, wherever they're going to have a TV and a connection. They can simply pop put this connect this little projector to their computer or phone or tablet, and then beam up a hundred inch image on a wall or on a mm. screen if it exists there in a boardroom or something, uh, and they're away. It's really impressive. The they do have another model that has Bluetooth on board as well, so it can be used with your tablet or with your, your laptop or your phone. You might be on the road traveling or something, and you might want to watch a movie in your room. You can actually even use use it for to enjoy yourself as well because they've got HD resolution. The top-of-the-line ones have full HD resolution as well. So the quality was surprising for such a small device. Look, I um, I can't wait for projectors to continue to grow in this in this space. You look at, you know, I remember it's got to be seven years ago the first like Pico projector and stuff. You know, looking at those, playing with those, and thinking it was cool. And now we've got them coming down in size, in price, but the qualities continue to grow. You've got Lenovo putting projectors in in tablets. It, it's really interesting that projection hasn't really taken off, but I still think it has the potential to in, in other in in a lot of little ways. Not not going to replace everything in the world but geez there's some benefits to having a little projector now and then especially when you're traveling i took a little view sonic projector on on a road trip with the kids a few months ago and it was perfect when it was a rainy day i just we just projected the ipad up on the wall and like five or six kids in the area sat down and watched peppa pig that uh, was fantastic and what i like about these new models too from uh from lg is that they the 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 thing the the features that were top of the line five six seven years ago you know things like full HD, the extra brightness, the added lumens, and, and the DLP high contrast Love a good are now lumens. all coming down uh, to this level. Uh, and these are projectors that, that are small enough uh, to fit in your bag. It's not like these. There have been data projectors around that you can carry in like a little suitcase. These are tiny that you, you can fit them. You can fit them in your backpack. They're that small, uh, and so with surprising quality. So um, there, there's also one that's even got a, a TV. Tuner HD TV tuner built in, so you can watch TV through this thing as well. That's the uh, that's the PW800. So uh, keep an eye out for those. I'm going to be writing them up on Tech Guide, and they start at 8.99 and go all the way up to 19.99. Get on it, people! Techguide.com.au. I may enjoy pizza now and then. Uh, and I am a Domino's man over Pizza Hut, if I'm honest. We're not going the local kind of boutique gourmet, uh, which is Cantuki's in my area, but, you know, there's a bunch of little, little boutique. Or If you're going to go the hardcore, yep. you know, mass chain Domino's is to go. Now, their, their CEO is probably one of the most kind of forward-thinking CEOs uh, in, in Australian business in many ways, in a lot of the stuff he does. Um, and they their app development, their web development stuff has been some of the best um, in terms of certainly fast food. 
Um, and I've always enjoyed their, their process of, of ordering online and, and using the app. But one of the funny things I've always found about the app, in fact, somewhat hilarious, has been when you've placed the order, it comes up with this like pizza dial, which each each kind of slice of pizza is a different thing. So you've you've placed your order, you've paid for your order, we're we're, we're making your order, we're cooking your order, we're um, we've it's out of the oven, it's on in the car, and it's this little dial and it's this little clock. And I've I've watched people with the app open or the website open, watching the dial tick through, waiting for the pizzas to arrive. <laughs> now I ha- I don't have the heart to tell them that it's a G up. The whole thing is based on probably, they know to the minute, the average order and delivery time, and they simply put in an average number, and it ticks its way through. Now, thanks to amazing GPS technology, um, very similar to what Uber does with taxis, you're actually, you're physically, once it leaves the store, you are going to be able to see on a map where your pizza is. Pizza (laughs) tracking in real time, that's mind-blowing, and it's crazy, and it's silly, but it's also yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. I think uh, my, anyone who's been really hungry and is desperate to get their order through the door, that, that is the longest period of time from the time you hang up till the time you get your food. Yep. Now, being able to track it on the map like that, I think, is going to be terrific. It's uh, they, they, they created this GPS technology in conjunction with Navman, so they've got some uh, expert help on board. But what I like about the app and, and the Domino's CEO, Don Mage, his name is, he, he also said that while this is convenient for customers and, and a bit of fun, you know, you're watching the pizza make its way to your front door, he also said that it's another way to track, to, to help keep drivers safe mm. as well because uh, it, it does show, that he said in his quote here, that they get a new level of transparency over the driver so they can, they're out and about making deliveries at all times of the day or night. So even Domino's can track where their drivers are themselves. And he said in the trial that's been going on over the last, 18 months, driver incidents have dropped by 50%, which is good news mm. from that side of the fence as well. Totally. It's, the thing about the, the trial that took place probably in some regional area for 18 months... I think it was the ACT they did a big trial. Oh, the ACT is where it's launched initially. But it's, I find it yep. interesting that, that news of this doesn't get out. I, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, if, if I'd come across it, imagine if they were trialling in my area and I came across it, I'd be like... Oh my God, is that new? What's happening here? But you know, they've been trying for eighteen months, which is a, which means it's going to be robust. And you're right, this is a bit of fun for your pizza, but it's actually an excellent, um, you know, corporate responsibility around their, you know, their drivers who are on the road, uh, safety and uh, and and that kind of thing for their staff is is a big deal. So for Absolutely, it to actually yeah. have an impact on the number of incidents for drivers is a really good thing, and uh, and they should be congratulated for that. It uh, rolls out um, in the ACT first, and then around the country around July. So when you're ordering a pizza, you know, it's all happening. You'll be able to see the bloke come to your door. You'll be able to stand at the mm. door waiting for him. The, the they pizza do deli- have an Apple Watch version too. Back in my day, as a pizza delivery boy, you uh, you know, you had to bang on the door. Like bang, 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 bang. You know, it's like, hello, pizza boy. Um, really? You delivered pizzas, is, it? is that real? Mate, absolutely. Most pizzas really? at a Long Beach all the time. Absolutely, mate. Big time. <laughs> So I'm going to call you Dougie from now on. <laughs> Wasn't he the famous pizza delivery boy, you know Dougie? Doug? I, I wouldn't encourage my son to be a pizza delivery boy now. You know why? Tips. We, we used to live on oh. tips. The whole thing was, you know, you got paid bugger all. But people would tip you five bucks or whatever it was. You yeah, because so they were cash. Paying in cash. But these days they oh. pay with a little credit card, but you don't even get to see the transaction because they pay in the app. Oh. You see? Gypped. Gypped. Anyway, uh, Two Blokes Talking <laughs> Tech, you can read about the pizza app at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes.
You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And if you're looking for some security cameras to monitor your home or small business premises, don't go past the Arlo range of smart cameras from Netgear. And you can find them at netgear.com.au. These are unbelievable um, pieces of equipment. They're 100% wire-free. They're they're high-definition. They work indoor and outdoor. They have night vision. Um, and they operate off a basic little base station. You plug the base station into your router. You take the camera out of the box. You put four batteries in it. You press a button on the router. You, pre- you wait. You press a button on the on the camera. It's done. It's finished. It's linked. You open the app. You create an account. And you can see the cameras in real time from that point in time. And you can set up day times of day when the cameras are active. Uh, and when they're active, so obviously you'd set it up when you're not home, uh, they record motion that they detect in, in video. And that, that video is uploaded to the cloud immediately. You can even be emailed or get pop-up alerts on your phone. I get the alert. I, c- I can actually download the video on my phone to watch what was happening. Uh, it's unbelievable real-time monitoring. It's a simple cloud solution. It's simple to set up. And it's uh, 100% wire-free. No wires for the network, no wires for the power. Uh, and the batteries, I can tell you right now, you can get them at Woolworths. So easy to replace when the time comes around. Arlo from Netgear, A-R-L-O. Check them out. Uh, Arlo uh, is the name. Netgear is the company. Netgear.com.au. Well, mate, we spoke a couple of weeks ago, maybe maybe a month ago, about Telstra adding um, data to their mobile plans, which shocked me um, and, and impressed me because Telstra don't normally actually offer great value. And this was genuine value. And it didn't give them offer them the best plans on the market. But to me, and I, we said this at the time, it pretty much meant that if you're a Telstra customer, there was no compelling reason to leave Telstra because they were offering at least somewhat competitive deals. So somewhat, they had to react. And, and I expect Optus will have to do the same. But Vodafone reacted uh, uh, at the end of last week with bringing back its double data on its 12- and 24-month red plan. So you can now get, if you're on a business $130 plan, used to be 10 gig, you can now get 20 gig a month. If, if you're on a $50 SIM-only plan, you go from 4 gig to 8 gig. Um, you know, I'm on a month-to-month plan. I pay 60 bucks. I've gone from 4 gig to 8 gig. You know, this all comes around. They say it's all about, you know, Spotify and Stan, those subscription services they're encouraging and giving their, their customers um, short-term trials of, um, you know, because we are chewing through our data. But I believe, without question, this is a reaction to Telstra and it keeps them at the top of the mark in terms of competitivity. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, Telstra, Telstra's um, move that we did discuss, we were actually pretty shocked and surprised and amazed. And it was a bit of a shot across the bow for those other operators. And here's Vodafone's reaction to uh, to, to what Telstra's done there. Uh, look, it's quite obvious now that data is the most important part of a mobile plan. Forget the calls, forget the texts, they're covered. Uh, now data is the battleground. So the more you can offer, the more attractive it is. You may not ever use 20 gig a month, but certainly that number's attractive. You you might not even get near 8 gig a month, but it's better than 4 gig. It's better than 7 gig. It's that number that people are chasing. They want that peace of mind. They want to be able to download, stream, upload, email, browse. They want to do all that rather than, and, and I see my kids are on, my, my, my kids are on plans where there's only like a gig or two gig and they're there scrimping and, and turning Wi-Fi off when they're out and stuff like that. Mm. Now there's no need to do that. Data is there. It's plentiful. And I think they're going to attract a lot of customers with these plans. 
Yep, and they um, they're competitive at every level, and that's what's that's what's interesting here. You, you're paying a lot of money, you're getting massive value now, and and for someone as I said, like me, who's just on a basic plan, you're now you're not getting you know super useful amounts of data. And I know that you know people like uh, Virgin are doing rollover. You've got sharing going on, but at its core. I don't think Australians are ready to just to, to spend as much time as the companies would would need for them to you know really embrace the month to month you know different amounts of data and really learn what they need and get the right plan. I think Australians just want a massive buffer, and when you consider the kind of things that you can do with your mobile phone now in in terms of streaming, but also in terms of tethering and those kind of things, this yeah. really does make your mobile device potentially the, the the genuine hub of your mobile world, and you. You know, you don't need that second SIM card for your tablet. There's a whole bunch of reasons to, to look at these plans. And as we've both said, we're, we're paying Vodafone customers. You know, there's, there's, no, no, um, there's nothing going on here. We, we, we chose to move to Vodafone, and I did that because I wanted to test the network. And when I discovered that their network was pretty much the fastest in the country, certainly in this metro area where I am, um, it, it, it impressed me, and I've stuck with them since. I don't need the country reliability that Telstra offers. I just want really good value. Absolutely right. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I'm a Vodafone customer as well, and I came from Telstra. Telstra, who were really stingy with the data, that's one of the reasons I left, or one of the main reasons I left. The other reason was to have the $5 a day international roaming, roaming. which is another uh, attraction for me to move. But the, my, my device now, I, I used to carry around a, a, a 4G dongle and I've got my phone. Now, if I don't have my dongle, my 4G, if I need to connect my laptop on the go, finish a story and connect, I've got my phone now. Yeah. And I've got enough data for me to use that for hours on end now when I'm on the go. Mm. That's really good peace of mind where I'm protected. I can, I can be connected whenever I like. I even think there's people who would be moving to these plans. I don't think their home broadband plan would offer them as much That's data. Right. As some of these or plans speeds do now. In a lot many of people cases. that have only got five gig a month now, you got a phone plan now that gives you twelve gig a month, twenty gig a month. Mm. This could be their all-round solution for them. Yep, uh, it's still a, it's a, it's a very clear reminder that if you are embracing new styles of uh, entertainment consumption, like Stan or Netflix, um, not only is it awesome, but it does chew through your data. You could easily use you know five hundred meg an hour if you're watching a, a high definition program or more. Um, so it doesn't take many week, many days or hours for you to, to chew through it. So be very cautious about this limit and be cautious that you are still testing and, and monitoring your limits. But um, yeah. if you are a Vodafone user, you should pick up the phone and uh, check what you can do with your current contract uh, or uh, or if you're going month to month, check your uh, myvodafone.com.au on your phone and see what your data limit is now. But you might be very impressed and very very chuffed that you've yeah. got yourself a nice little We should deal. point out too that the double data applies for the duration of the contract. So it's not just an offer that runs out in a couple of months and you go back to your original data allowance. That's right. If you sign up for 24 months, you get that amount of data every month for 24 months. Yep, absolutely. Good deal. And uh, Stephen has all the details at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, I'm a, I'm a big reader, Trevor, as you know, um, and you're a, you're a self-confessed non-reader, so uh, this may appeal to you, I'm not sure. But the Kindle, uh, they've got a new, Amazon have come up with a new Kindle, the Kindle Voyage. Now, this is its latest and greatest e-reader, even compared to the Paperwhite, which I have already, uh, and I've also got the Voyage, and compared them side by side, 
The difference is remarkable even between those two products. The Kindle Voyage is thinner, it's lighter, it has 4 gig of memory to store thousands of books. Uh, the screen resolution has been improved out of sight. It's 300 ppi, that's pixels per inch. The brightness is also improved. It's also adaptive brightness, so it can adapt to your surroundings. So whether you're in the, the brightness of the day outside or laying in bed next to your partner at night where uh, the light is actually controlled in such a way where it actually goes into the product rather than out and bathing the room in light. Uh, it's really clever how they've done. The, they've used this technology. Uh, the, the Kindle is, is sort of the benchmark in e-readers. A lot of people, when they think of Kindle, it's 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 kind of one of those go-to brand names they, they associate with yeah. e-readers. This new Voyage, uh, which I think would make a great Mother's Day present, seeing it's Mother's Day this week. Uh, it's a great present for your mum. This is, uh, without a doubt, the best e-reader they're produced. Uh, it's $299, so not the cheapest, but it is certainly the best. So if you are interested in checking this out, I think uh, if you're a reader, uh, you can not only read your books, but download the books using the device as well, because it is, it is the store as well as your library. Uh, it is well worth checking out. I'm sure this may even motivate you, Trevor, to take up even more reading. Uh, no. It won't, but um, <laughs> but it is a it is the screen is probably the most impressive thing about this device without question, and and it is funny because you think about e-readers and and they are very simple devices with their e-ink screens and you know long batteries and those kind of things. You, you you need to remember that innovation can occur in these in these products as well, and you know as you say, you sit them side by side, and it's it's a great product. So especially if you know someone who already has a Kindle. Um, you know they're in the ecosystem. You know they're they're loving their books. A great gift idea and a great yeah. idea for people who already have one and want them. For one themselves. other feature I just want to touch on too is there's a new page press sensor. So on either side of the screen is a forward and back button. So you can you can it's not really a button. It's like a it's like a sensor, like a touch touch screen button. But um, what it does when you press it, it gives you a little haptic feedback, little vibration to say yep page will turn in a second you, the, the top button is to turn the page back and no matter what hand you hold the kindle in uh there are those buttons that those sensors on either side so you can easily turn back and forward it is a lot quicker too it turns the pages a lot faster so real improvement across the board there's also a new cover you could buy for it the origami cover which is uh, allows you it sort of covers the kindle uh the flap comes over the top like a notepad but the cover has uh these little creases in place where you can actually fold it and it, it uh, attach uh, connects magnetically to itself to form itself into a little stand as well when you're not using it as the cover. So for people like yourself who don't like holding products for too long, they get a bit heavy, you can also put it on the desktop as well. Oh, it never ends really, does it? Uh, you can uh, read more about the Kindle Voyage at techguide.com.au. Now, just as I don't read books and Stephen does, <laughs> I've not seen this film and Stephen has, but it, it's, it strikes oh, me that the, it. that the Jedi Knights have been exterminated and the Empire rules the galaxy with an iron fist. A small group of rebels have dared to fight back by stealing the secret <laughs> plans to the Empire's mightiest weapon, the Death Star Battle Station. <laughs> this I read from the back of the uh, DVD version of Star Wars A New Hope, which is apparently episode four, which is also the first version. I, I mean, I, I'm very confused by the whole concept of Star Wars, but Stephen yep. got all very excited this week because it was May the 4th. And yes, people, that means May the 4th be with you.
That's correct. And you know what? A lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't don't even get May the 4th. But uh, even Star Wars fans didn't realize where that actual, uh, where it came from. Um, it was actually back in 1979 that it was used for the first time. And, and, and strangely enough, it had nothing to do with Star Wars. It was actually the Conservative Party took out a full-page ad the day Margaret Thatcher took office as British Prime Minister, hmm. and it was on May the 4th. Uh-huh. And the ad read, May the 4th be with you, Maggie. And it was a couple of years after Star Wars, a year before Empire Strikes Back, and the Star Wars fans have been there ever since. So it had its strange origins, but has now become a leg- a, a, a day, rec- widely recognised day for fans. I even walked into Target and Big W, uh, and they had signs up saying, may the 4th be with you, Star Wars Day. Another excuse to sell merchandise, of course, but it is being recognised now. So tragic fans like myself, we delighted in the day. I wore my T-shirts and I took photos with my Darth Vader and I shared them all around and uh, had a fun time, suggested ways where people could celebrate Star Wars Day on Tech Guide. Uh, There is a new movie, by the way, coming out uh, in December. So there's going to be a lot more Star Wars fans than, uh, than ever before when this new film comes out. So... Yep, there you go. May the 4th be with you, but there's also the day after was uh, a lot of semi-Star Wars fans were calling it Revenge of the 5th as well, which was the day after May the 4th. So that's another in-joke for Star Wars fans. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith, right? See, I'm across it. That's it. it. I'm across it. Just I did have it. some feedback though on mm. uh, on Twitter mm. from uh, some some of our some of our fans, Trevor. Yeah. Let's call them. Um, yeah. One of them was our good mate Rob, yep. who uh, Rob Jolliffe, who says, like you, has never seen Star Wars and never will. Good one, brother. And yet Robert Rigby, another long-time listener and fan of the show, said, yes, he can't believe it either. There are people that haven't seen the films either. Mm. And he didn't actually nominate you in that tweet. I, and yes, I mean you at Trevor Long. Yes, well, so, you know, the um, the team that I, uh, I'm i currently managing at work uh, presented me uh, with the three first episodes, which are the fourth, fifth, and sixth, but let's just get over that confusion um uh in the original theatrical release so i've been uh, i've been challenged if if nothing else to to watch yeah. them they, they keep saying to me you've got to watch it with your kids i'm like seriously i've got a four and a three-year-old who wouldn't sit through five minutes of this and you know what steven let me no, tell you you're this. wrong mate you're I wrong said would to jackson love it. i said to jackson who's eight i said mate do you want to watch star wars with me he goes yeah and i went okay no worries buddy we'll do it on the weekend he goes this is the lego version <laughs> well, no, it's the real version, but mate, it's a it's a classic story, good versus evil. It's you know, there's a princess, your daughter will love it. There's a princess in it. Mm, mm. No, good. May the force be with you. Um, uh, very very <laughs> lovely day during the week, and uh, Stephen will celebrate that every year. He'll just repeat the story he's got on Tech Guy because he's a massive fan, and I respect that, Stephen. And I am I am going to watch them because otherwise the people at work will continue to rib me on a daily basis. Um, so Please I'm working do. on it. They're sitting here in my office. I'm going to whack them on the big screen. I'm going to clean up, and then I'm going to watch them, I promise. Two Blokes Talking Good. Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. So... The minute reviews this week um, kick off with a product uh, from our good friends at Garmin, the Vivo Active. This is a smartwatch that is so much more. 
Well, haven't watches been a massive talking point at the moment? Ooh. Obviously, Apple Watch is getting a lot of attention, but there are, are, are a lot of other options. And this is one of them. The Garmin Vivo Active, it's quite specific in who it's, it's aimed at. The target audience for this are obviously active users, people who exercise, work out, want to track their fitness, want to get better at what they're doing, can m- maybe play multiple sports. They like to run. They like to go to the gym. They even like to play golf. The Garmin Vivo Active has got you covered in all of those areas. It's got built-in apps for your running, for your cycling, for your swimming. It's waterproof. So unlike the Apple Watch, you can take this for a dip. You can swim, can count your strokes and your distance. When you're running, it can also, with GPS on board, by the way, built-in GPS, can track your run. Uh, it uses the GPS not only to map your run, but also to work out your pace and your distance. Uh, and as a, If you're a golfer as well, rather than buying a separate golf product, to to find distances to the hole and have all that information at your fingertips, the Vivo Active can do that as well. Now, it is a sports watch, but it can also be classed as a smart watch as well. It connects via Bluetooth to any smartphone, Android or iPhone. It doesn't have a specific operating system, so it's not Android Wear. It's not an Apple Watch, of course. So it can connect with all kinds of phones to get you all the different notifications, your emails, your text messages, even your Facebook and Twitter notifications. Applications, uh, all there at your fingertips as well. What I like about it too, the design, it's really thin and light. It's only eight millimeters thick. It doesn't even look like a smartwatch. Really comfortable to wear, really light, and does so much uh, for the active user. It's also got a great app, the Garmin Connect app, probably one of the best activity tracking apps that I've used. Uh, speaking of activity tracking, it can also do that for you as well. So count your steps, uh, can't analyze your sleep, but it can give you your, your calories burned, your distance you've walked, your steps you've taken, uh, and all there. You can also download apps for it as well. The Garmin Vivo Active, priced at $339. Check it out, techguide.com.au. And Stephen, another nifty little USB from SanDisk. Yeah, this is the SanDisk Ultra Dual USB Drive 3.0. Quite a long name for such a tiny product. I've got a photo <laughs> on my review on Tech Guide. It's smaller than a 10-cent piece or as big as a 10-cent piece. But what it does, it allows you to share and manage content between your computer and your Android devices on the go, even between Android devices. One end is a normal USB plug, USB 3.0 plug. On the other end is a micro USB plug. So you can drag and drop content from your computer and then upload them to your Android device and vice versa. You can even share content between Android devices, tablets and smartphones. It's available in three different capacities, 16 gig, 32 gig and 64 gig priced at $29, $39 and $69 respectively. It's a sort of device where it's really handy even for Android users who want to clear up a bit of space on their phone. Some of them might not have a lot of spare space. They may choose to keep all their content that they like to enjoy, movies and things, off the device and on the SanDisk Ultra Dual USB drive. Uh, it's a handy device to have. It's also got a little metal key, metal ring around the center, so you can put this on your key ring. That's how small it is. The SanDisk 
dual USB 3.0 drive. Available right now from authorised retailers. <laughs> Sounded like the ending to an ad. And no, these are not ads to the narcs of the world who may have suggested the same. Uh, these are our, our own independent reviews, so stick it where the sun doesn't shine. Uh, you can check out more about the SanDisk dual USB at techguide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Stephen, that is the end of episode 207. And what a wonderful episode it was. And we look forward to hearing from our listeners on Twitter. The Ziggy Zaggy is the hashtag, hashtag Ziggy Zaggy. Uh, and if you don't know why we use the hashtag Ziggy Zaggy, it's time for you to listen back to 207 episodes. And in one of them, you'll find the reference where it began. <laughs> uh, I don't know which one, but you'll find it at some point. And, uh, it's in one of them. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, yes. totally. it's, a, it's definitely in, it's probably in three or four of them, but... You know, if people want to know, feel free to tweet me at Stephen Fennick with a PH, uh, hashtag Ziggy Zaggy. I will explain it to you, as will Trevor. So feel yeah. free to ask us why. And the hint is only Stephen can show you a photo. Wow, that sounded wrong. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we do it each and every week. Thanks to the good people at Netgear. We appreciate your support. We appreciate you downloading. We appreciate your ratings on iTunes, Pocket Cast, wherever you're listening. And we appreciate you uh, following us both on Twitter, at Trevor Long and at Stephen Fennick with a PH. And, of course, reading everything that we gibber about on our websites, techguide.com.au and eftm.com.au. Stephen, talk to you next week. Yes, you will. Thanks, mate. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.